just a couple things. Hey, let, let me just echo uh, what Joe was talking about earlier during the start of our worship time. We, we thank you veterans and all those that are currently serving uh, in our military. Um, man, that, that's great. The sacrifice that uh, they provide um, to keep us free. And yeah, we have a lot of hiccups here in America. I think we can all uh, can agree on that, but uh, we're still free. Um, so we thank those veterans. Um, let's talk about Wednesday night. Uh, I pulled up a text message so I wouldn't forget. Uh, but uh, Sarah and Joy are cooking this Wednesday, and we're having baked spaghetti and baked Alfredo pastas uh, this Wednesday. So um, I didn't want to forget that. So, uh, but anyway, make sure you sign up uh, out there in the lobby, and, uh, and hopefully we'll see you uh, this Wednesday for uh, the meal and for uh, Bible study, and we also have Celebrate Recovery going on. Um, so come out for that. Um, so if you want to, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 8. Uh, Genesis chapter 8, uh, that's where we'll be a little bit later on. Um, and we're going to start in verse 15 there, Genesis chapter 8 and uh, verse 15, uh, as we dive into this new series uh, starting today. Um, but as you're doing that, hey, uh, Seth, uh, a lot of you have not seen him this morning. Uh, Seth, uh, he's wrapping up his week off uh, today, and uh, I think the plan was for him and some friends to go uh, out to Charlotte to see the Panthers play his Indianapolis Colts uh, today. Um, so he, he was really excited about that. And uh, he'll be, I think they're staying in Charlotte tonight and they're coming back tomorrow. Uh, so it's Tuesday, Seth will be back here at the church in the office. Uh, he better be, uh, at least. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so that's that. Uh, but hey, he, he did a wonderful job last week preaching. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, you, you took that tying in to Halloween and, and serving and everything and, and winning the lost uh, to heart uh, from his mes message last week. I, I, I was thinking about, especially on Halloween this past Tuesday, just thinking about Seth's message and, and you know, just that, that's a good thing, not just giving out candy on Halloween, but, you know, trying to reach the lost at the same time, winning them for Jesus. Uh, so uh, I appreciated that message that he, he brought last week. And it's funny because the next time he preaches is the end of next month. So he did Halloween, and he's got New Year's Eve uh, coming. So, uh, so, so that's that. Um, hey, uh, Operation Christmas Child, uh, saw a lot of shoeboxes coming in uh, today. And, um, you know, hopefully... They're all here, but if not, you can still bring them by the office this week, bring them by the church this week. Definitely by next Sunday. Uh, we, we need those uh, shoe boxes to be here. Um, so I, I want to make sure I said something about that. But uh, all right. So uh, what do you think of when you hear the phrase, come on down? Price is right. That's right. Um, man, uh, so let me specifically ask you, who do you think of when you hear that phrase? Bob Barker. Yeah, man, what a guy. Bob Barker. Um, but you probably think more of Bob Barker than you do its current host, Drew Carey. Okay. So do you think of Bob Barker more? Raise your hand. 
Uh, yeah, same here. Man, that beautiful face with the white hair, with that skinny microphone. Man, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to say sometimes, so that, that's that. All right, but Bob Barker, man, Bob Barker. How many of you were honestly kind of disappointed and saddened back in August of this year, just a couple months ago, when you learned that Bob Barker had passed away? Um, I mean, the man, he was super old. <laughs> he was like 99 years old. Um, and if you're that age, uh, no offense, but, uh, but Bob Barker, man, he was, he was just one of those people that you would thought would live forever. I always thought that, uh, Casey Kasem would live forever. He never changed, like, his facial, like, anything. His hair was always black. Um, I, I don't know, but, uh, but, Bob Barker, you always thought that someone like that would live forever. And I love how the current host of The Price is Right, we mentioned him just a bit ago, Drew Carey, he still uses Bob Barker's catchphrase at the end of the show. Do you know why that catchphrase is? Yeah, to help control the pet population, have your pets spayed and neutered. That's not the only place in all of TV that you would hear something like that. Maybe uh, Animal Planet. Oh, is that still a channel? I don't know. Um, but, uh, but hey, I, I remember, you know, summertime or the times where I was sick and staying home from school, 11 o'clock Eastern time, uh, having the TV on and just hoping that they would play, uh, what's the game, Plinko? Oh, man. And I always wanted to spin the big wheel. Uh, but Bob Barker, what a guy, what a guy. So why do I bring all this up this morning about Bob Barker and everything? Uh, you know, when we mourn the loss of someone who has achieved greatness in their own right, which I think we all could say that Bob Barker was that kind of person. He achieved greatness. Um, and also they considered uh, their achievements. We often follow it and uh, when, when someone dies, especially a celebrity like that, it makes us um, evaluate our life's significance as well. You know, who remembers when Betty White passed away? That's another person that we thought would go on and live forever and ever. But when these celebrities pass, like, was it last week one of the actors from Friends passed away? Yeah, Matthew Perry. Um, you know, when, when celebrities, people that we've looked up to kind of through media, through TV, through social media, movies, stuff like that, uh, even um, athletes. Do you remember when Kobe Bryant died in the helicopter crash with his daughter? That's sad. That's sad. But when, when times like this happen, you know, we seem to evaluate our own life significance as well. It's as if the, sh the grief, the shock, the anger, possibly the denial of it, and at times the deep sense of loss has given us a pass to slow down and consider the significance of our own experience, our own life experience, this side, this earthly side of heaven, of everlasting life. While we wrestle with life significance, we also ask ourselves questions like, what is most important 
in, in my life, in life in general, what is most important? Another question, how, how do I fully live so that I am ready to die? Well, I leave a legacy that benefits those who I leave behind. How will I build something in this life, in this earthly life, to carry something into my eternal or everlasting life? As people, as human beings, we, we desire a life of worth, and we desire a life of significance, don't we? You know, I think it's part of our DNA. It's a part of who we are. Although significance is in the eye of the beholder, if we believe our life carries a weight of goodness that benefits the world and those that you and I love, we will desire to leave this world knowing that it served a purpose. We want our lives right now to matter. But what makes our lives significant? What makes our life significant? In a world filled with challenges, with trials, and also with tribulations, it can be all too easy to focus on what we lack or the obstacles that are in front of us in this life. We know that our work, our play, our community, our home, the things we invest in, and even our service can add value to our lives. But these things, they don't define it. So in these moments, what can be our guiding light? In the obstacles that, that we face, there's a word called gratitude. Say gratitude. It can be it. It can be our guiding light. It will help us navigate life's journeys with a profound sense of purpose and also, my friends, fulfillment when we think about gratitude. So this morning, the big idea is that gratitude is a fundamental ingredient to a deep and also a meaningful life. Gratitude. You know, I mentioned a little while ago that we want our lives to be significant. I think all of us want that. Uh, there are certain underlying values and or practices that we should be participating in so that our life is significant now, today, and also in the future, Lord willing. You know, gratitude is definitely one of those things that we should have. You and I should definitely uh, have gratitude uh, in our lives. And the Bible says that the practice of gratitude gives us a life here and also after of significance. And through it, through gratitude, we appreciate life's goodness, which compels us to simply just pay it forward. Gratitude creates within us a deep sense of happiness and, and also satisfaction, which in turn, one, it enriches our relationships, gratitude does. It, it also nurtures the formation of new friendships, of our relationships with others, and uh, it also underlines the very foundation of human society. That's what gratitude does. So what is it? What is gratitude? You know, we're now in the month of November, 
Who enjoyed the extra hour this morning? Okay. Who did not enjoy the extra hour this morning? Zach, we go with Julian this morning? 5.30. Nice. So 5.30 this current time. Okay. Man. All right. Awesome. Um, anyway, I, I saw a lot of posts on social media this morning about with parents with small kids. Uh, so uh, anyway, um, but it's November. You know, time changed this weekend. Anybody go to the Whirly Gig Festival yesterday? Uh, I heard it was crowded. A little bit. Uh, yes or no? Okay. Hey, did you have fun? Those that went? Who's going today? Uh, Lisa's going today. Is she the only one? Okay, I guess so. Um, but uh, so again, it's November. Willow gigs going on. Um, time changed this weekend, uh, but it's Thanksgiving time. Pause. Who thinks it's Christmas time right now? Um, we do pause for Thanksgiving, but hey, I will say it is Thanksgiving time. Uh, you know, especially here in November. But uh, and many of us, because it's Thanksgiving time. Uh, we will gather with friends and family and, and or family and celebrate that holiday, Thanksgiving, in just 18 days. So the countdown is on. Who's ready for turkey? Yeah, who's ready for the stuffing? Who's ready for the desserts? That's the important thing, right? Desserts. Um, hey, I'm off my diet now. Erin's uh, off her diet now. Uh, I lost 14 pounds. She lost nine. Yeah, in a month. So praise God for that. But uh, but uh, before we got off the diet, I will say um, this is just bonus information <laughs> um, that I was in Harris Teeter one day and I saw the crispy uh, crispy Christmas. Yeah, the tree cakes. Yeah, man, I had crispy cream just going through the brain just then. <laughs> um, anyway, but I saw several boxes and last year it was even before Christmas and I tried to find a box and they were all gone. So I saw them, and I picked one, just one up, and uh, I've had two in the past uh, week. So, uh, all right, uh, let's focus, Lance. <laughs> but, uh, you know, really around Thanksgiving, though, we hear uh, gratitude a lot. You know, this month we'll hear that word gratitude a lot. So first point this morning is what is it? Uh, it's a practice of actively remembering and expressing the grace, the benefits that we don't deserve in this life. And also, it's the goodness bestowed in our lives. That is what gratitude is. And I believe that uh, we have an innate desire to show gratitude of the goodness and grace that we, all of us, that we receive. Early in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible, we witness one of the first acts of gratitude through the life of this guy named Noah. Who's heard of his name before? Noah. So uh, let's go ahead and look at Genesis chapter 8. Like I said, we're going to start in verse 15, and uh, we're going to read through verse 20 here. It says, Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, 
and all the creatures that move along the ground so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out together with his sons and with his wife and his son's wives and all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on land came out of the ark one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of all the clean animals and the clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. You know, after being on the ark for approximately a year, how many days are in a year? 365. Noah walks off the boat. And right then, right there and right then, the Bible tells us Noah builds an altar to God, to the Lord. Noah's first recorded act upon leaving the ark that he was on for such a long time was an act of gratitude. When listening to or reading this story, uh, this act of worship is easy to read over. Even without, you know, closely reading it, it appears to be a simple practice. But when we do a little bit more digging into this event from the Bible, into this this story, this event that we've heard about for so long, we see that it is an extraordinary act of thankfulness. But going back a little bit, you heard me, you know, when I said that Noah and his family were on this boat, this ark, for close to a year, 356 days they were upon this boat. Consider that. Noah and his family, his wife, his three sons, and their wives, they were the only ones together on a boat for 356 days. He spent all that time with his immediate family. Uh, and, And keep in mind, too, were they the only people on the face of this earth Yeah, they were the only people Um, because everything outside was water because there was a lot of flooding waters over this whole globe, around this whole globe, around the whole world. But Noah and his family, they were the only ones around and they were inside this vessel, inside this ark. You know, I mentioned Thanksgiving is coming up in 18 days. Uh, You know, the food is good most of the time. Am I right? Um, But but how many, let me ask this question. How many of you are ready to leave as soon as you walk in the door? Some of you might be. You might be like that. Um, And let me say, that's just one day. Just for a few hours. You know, we get together with with family and maybe friends, like I said, and then we are off and we can go and do what we want to do. But man, Noah was on board with his family for nearly a year. And I didn't even talk about the animals. (laughs) 
Uh, you know, uh, as I was reading over my sermon yesterday for today, uh, this is extra to Diane, um, I couldn't help but think about the original vacation movie where Chevy Chase as Clark W. Griswold Jr. and his family leave the Chicago area and where are they on their way to? Wally World, which I believe is in California. It's a fictional place, but I think it was in California. But uh, on the way there, was it all smooth sailing? No, anything but. You know, and I kind of think about, oh, poor Noah. <laughs> and he and his family were the only ones on the face of this earth, rotting out, literally, the floodwaters that were outside with all the animals. But as soon as God says, all right, you can leave the boat. <laughs> you can leave the boat. You can leave the ark. He, talking about Noah, he makes a conscious decision that the very first thing that he will do is get out, and he says two words, thank you. <laughs> How many of you would probably do the same thing? Thank you. Man, think about it. Think about it. Um, and, and let me just say, too, that God didn't even instruct Noah to say those two words to him. It was a natural thing when he said, thank you. But uh, let, let's take a look at these things. Uh, at, at this time in ancient civilization, God hadn't given uh, the commandments or the statutes regarding worship yet. They were unknown. There was no organized religion, and faith practices were still like a thousand or so years away from forming, from formation there. Noah and his family had been the only followers of God amongst a society of evil heathens. Therefore, this was a, a singular practice to God, not a communal uh, practice of his people. And offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving was not a social, religious, economic habit of that particular day. In earlier ancient pagan worship, when a sacrifice was made, it was offered to appease the gods and to keep them happy so that the people would receive good fortune. You know, I, I know I joked just recently, and, and I hope you took it that way. Uh, about, you know, wanting to bust out of the ark, you know, being on, on, on the ark for like a year with his family and that sort of thing. I, I was joking about that, but, but Noah, he didn't offer a sacrifice out of the need to have good fortune. That wasn't Noah. He, he didn't do it because it was a desire to keep God happy or also to appease him. Uh, he really thanked God and offered a sacrifice to him out of the heart of gratitude that Noah had, that he truthfully had. His natural uh, inclination upon leaving this ginormous wooden box that he was on was to just simply say, thank you. And let's consider the many things that Noah could have done upon leaving the ark. By taking a moment to imagine ourselves in that scenario, imagine that you could find yourself in the sandals of Noah's feet. What would you have done in that situation? 
for nearly a solid year. You are stowed, you are up in a dark ship. A ship drenched in the stench and the mess of most animals that we can find here on earth. During this time, you have been tossed around the entire world, the entire globe, by the crazy winds, by the rains, and by the gigantic waves. And when the ark finally banks itself on a mountaintop, you can walk out into the fresh air. And my friends, what would be your first act in this new place, in this new world? Would you be like Noah? Uh, would your first act be to build an altar and, and say two words, thank you? Would that be it? I'll let you think on that for a moment. All right, let's, let's look at uh, another thing. How does God respond to this particular act of gratitude? God, knowing the heart of Noah, he understood that Noah leaving the ark or leaving the boat and offering a sacrifice was just more than a sacrifice in itself. All right, let's look at verses uh, 21 through the first verse in chapter 9. So starting in verse 21. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and the heat, summer and the winter, day and night will never cease. Verse 1 of chapter 9 says, Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. As the aroma of Noah's sacrifice drifted up to God, drifted up to the Lord, um, his heart, God's heart is touched. And in turn, he says, I will never again curse the ground because of man's evil heart. And he's like, I will never kill every creature. And the Bible said that God blessed Noah. So what did God do there? What did he do? He blessed Noah. He blessed Noah. Blessing Noah was not a response to anything that Noah himself had earned. His blessing was not because he was some stellar ship captain who kept the morale of his crew in high spirits. It wasn't because of that. It also wasn't for completing the art bill by God's awesome building code. It wasn't that. And it wasn't a reward for Noah's exceptional care of, of God's last remaining creatures on earth. It wasn't any of these things because God blessed Noah. Noah's blessing, too, I will say it wasn't this as well. It wasn't a response to his obedience, although blessings do come from choosing to obey. But in this biblical event... We learn that Noah received his blessing because Noah chose to worship. But when you worship, 
Who does that please? God. Yes, his act of worship pleased God. He pleased the Lord. He, he did this because his heart was thankful. Noah's emotion overflowed into an act of gratitude, which was the offering he presented to God. The English word gratitude stems from a Latin word called gratia, which means to give thanks. The Bible takes this one word definition a little further, and in the Bible, the word of God, gratitude, is the word called Eucharistia, all right? So that's kind of hard. We don't see this word every day. But on the count of three, Eucharistia, okay? I want you to say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Eucharistia. So this word stems from a word called charis, okay? Uh, which means, and this is a her- word that we've heard many times, charis comes from grace, Say grace. Charis or grace is a favor, an act of goodwill and loving kindness for which we do not deserve. Eucharistia is an offering of thanks, of the abundance of grace shown to us, shown to you and I, every single one of us. It is to give thanks to the Lord with pleasure and delight because we have received delight and pleasure from his grace, from God's charis. Eucharistia is not a horizontal practice. It is not a give and take to and from kind of thing. That's not what Eucharistia is. Grace does not travel one way and then come back again. That's not what grace is. Eucharistia is mutual. It is a cycle of giving and receiving all at the same time. And my friends, this word on the screen right now, it is grace abounding. The Bible tells us that God does not desire sacrifice for sacrifice's sake. But it does say that God delights in our expression, our declared praise and adoration, which is an outward expression of what is in our hearts. Man, God looks at the heart. Hopefully you know that. But he really loves it when we praise him truthfully, when we worship him truthfully. God loves that, and that's what he loved about Noah and the sacrifice, the burnt offering that he made as soon as he stepped off that boat. You know, by choosing to practice this thing that we're talking about today, gratitude, we choose the grace that God has freely offered us And we should offer it freely back to him and also other people in this world. It is important to note that the gratitude that we are talking about is much more than just a thank you utterance. It's much more than that. Practicing Eucharistia flows out of the sentiment of thankfulness. The gratitude for God's grace is more than a a mere recognition of God's grace but a felt response which essentially demands that we express the response. Listen to this story. It's it's from a news article. 
and I'm going to share this article with you. Uh, but the news article was about a, a police officer responding to a man threatening to kill himself by jumping off a, a, a very tall building. When the officer arrived at the scene, the man on the ledge uttered as he positioned himself to jump, nobody loves me. No one cares if I die. No one will miss me. The officer said, it was as if the man's despair was pain painfully evident as he repeated that sentiment over and over again, that no one loved him, that no one cared about him, that no one would miss him. As other officers tried to talk this man down off the ledge, the officer who was talking with the man, he realized that the situation was getting worse and not better, and that the man on the ledge, he was actually going to jump. As the officer witnessed this man's pain, he said all he could think there at that moment was, man, I love this man. I care about this man, which was a total stranger to him. So this is what the officer offered the man on the ledge, this essential feeling of love that he had for him. As the man continued to vocalize his brokenness, the officer gently stated, Don't jump! I love you. You are loved. My friend, you are not alone. And someone cares for you. He said, the officer said, I care for you. I don't want you to jump. I love you. The officer said this over and over and over again. And if you find this particular story on the internet, you can find the audio of, of the officer speaking this to the disturbed man up on the ledge. The surrounding officers testified that these words brought the man out of his trance and out of his despair. As the officer continued to tell the stranger on the ledge that he loved him, the, the man, the disturbed man, he climbed off the ledge and he fell into the police officer's arms, sobbing. The officer held him, he embraced him, and continued to repeat to this man that he, the officer, loved him. When the reporters asked the officer why he felt this way towards a man that he never, ever once in his life met, the officer replied to this effect, I just felt I loved him even though I didn't know him. And it broke my heart to see him feel so unloved because the officer said, I am loved. And because of that, I knew I loved him. What a, what a story that is. This is God's grace poured out in an expression of love. When we receive God's grace in our life, we naturally want to express it 
We should anyway. We don't always know how it will come out or be used or where it might go. But when this grace is received, my friends, it desires to be expressed. We need to express this love of God. It is easy to recognize God's grace in our life. When life's greater needs are met, or when we are the recipient of unmerited generosity, it's easy to recognize all that, the grace from all that. You know, kids, kids are a great example of this. Uh, many of you are parents, and uh, one of the biggest tasks was or is to raise polite and emotionally aware children who say words like please and what else. Thank you. You know, at, at your kids' birthday parties, and maybe you're you know, thinking about recent years, or maybe you have to go a, a little ways back, but at your kids' Christmas or, or birthday parties, you are the parents, were you the parents that continually reminded your kids to say thank you when someone presented them or gave them a gift? Were you those parents? Raise your hand if you were, or are. Okay. Maybe at the grocery store even, when the baker gives your child a free cookie without even thinking about it, and before the cookie is hardly in your child's hand, why do you blurt out and say, what do you say? <laughs> do you say that? <laughs> Man. You know, and, and you do that because you're implying there is to be a response of gratitude for this free and this undeserved gift, such as a cookie at a grocery store. You know, being in youth ministry for so long, I, I know uh, for, for you parents that some of your most humiliating parenting moments arise from your kids' ungrateful behavior. Um, when words and actions are perceived as something called, which we all know, disrespect. Okay? Um, I've heard this many of times from parents telling their kids, scolding their kids, say thank you, say thank you be respectful. I've heard that so many times uh, from parents. However, when it comes to some of the smaller graces in this life, or better put, uh, more subtle uh, graces in life, because we, we don't necessarily feel them at the moment, we often fail. We're all guilty of this. We all often fail to recognize God's abundant grace throughout our day. God gives it to us always. And nine times out of ten throughout that day, man, we, we fail to realize it. We fail to, to see God's grace in action. Have you ever heard of something called the litmus test? Litmus test? As a Christian, the litmus test is uh, not only saying that we believe in Jesus, uh, but also conducting ourselves in a way that honors and, and, and pleases Jesus, regardless of whatever the cost is. The litmus test for uh, actively identifying God's grace in our lives in and of itself 
is our practice of what we're talking about throughout this whole series is gratitude. Think about your life. When does God hear me offer cares for his cares, for his grace in my life? Is it only at the dinner table when my stomach is growling and I'm ready to eat? Is that the only time? How does my response to his grace sound? Do I contemplate his grace and say thank you of his intentional reflection of the goodness and kindness that God, that he has given me? Or do I repeat the same four lines over and over in a prayer to the point it's just repetitive? And I'm guilty of this. It's like you pray the same prayer always. I'm guilty of that. Do I take the time to consider moments of God's goodness and kindness throughout my day? When I get up in the morning, do I, as David did, thank God for another morning with new mercies? Do I do that? When my forgetful and aging family member, a mom, a dad, grandmother, whoever it might be, has a moment of clarity and recalls a warm memory, do I thank God for gracing me with that shared moment of remembrance? Or are you the person that says, oh, you just told me that five minutes ago? Do you thank God for that? Parents, maybe this is you. When I get to watch my kid, my son, and or my daughter play another soccer game, make another basket, or assist in a touchdown, do I recognize that it is only by the grace of God that I am here, attending his or her game? Am I thankful that I have the money for him to participate in the game or even the mental and or physical capability or capacity for me to be present at the game or whatever event your kid might be participating in? You know, when we slow down and we take time to recognize Karis, the grace in our life, as believers, we will desire Eucharistia. If God's grace is all around us, in us, and working through us, then we should essentially desire a willingness to show and receive gratitude at recognizing God's grace. This morning, this is the last point uh, that we're going to look at, but gratitude, gratitude is the practice of remembering God's grace. It's the practice of remembering God's grace. You know, there's a ritual tucked in the middle of the Passover uh, throughout that biblical event uh, that is often unnoticed. And unless you are super familiar with Jewish tradition, you know, you probably have heard little about it. 
But uh, hey, speaking of the Passover, you know, we can go in Exodus chapter 12 that uh, Moses, this guy Moses and his brother Aaron had been to the king of Egypt, to the Pharaoh, nine previous times to try to get God's people, the Israelites, out of slavery in Egypt, which they had been in for years and years and years. And now this was the tenth time that they went to to Pharaoh and said, let God's people go. But, you know, since we're talking about Passover, Moses warned, hey, again, if something doesn't happen, if you don't let God's people go, something's going to happen. So what happened was when Moses received word from God, that God was going to send a death angel to kill the firstborn of every household in the land of Egypt. And if they didn't have the lamb's blood painted on the doorframe, then that firstborn in that house would die. If they did have the blood painted, as you see in the picture here, the angel of death would pass over the house and the firstborn would not die. But on that particular day or that particular night, still to this very day, the Jews would also take part in a feast. They would remember what God was going to do that particular evening, and ever since the original Passover, they've taken time year after year to remember what God did for them. But before Passover night, the original one, the the one back in Moses' day, the Lord gave clear and precise instructions to his people regarding the actual Passover event, how the Israelites were to leave Egypt and and, and the ritual and the practices of the Passover tradition uh, that they would keep up for generations to come. After directing the Israelites uh, in the events of Passover night, Moses then informs them that they will be practicing a feast. And we've been talking about this feast for a little bit now. A Passover feast as a ritual for all those generations to come. So, you know, I talked about Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving's been going on for years and years and years. Um, You know, I'm thankful for that. (laughs) Um, But, man, Passover's been going on longer. Um, speaking on behalf of Moses, or, or of God, I should say, speaking on behalf of God, Moses said this in Exodus chapter 12, verses 24 through 27. Moses says, he's t- talking to the people, uh, obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them it is Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Talking about the firstborn. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. And the Bible tells us after what Moses said. Now, 
you may be wondering, you know, why does this passage, how does it have anything to do with gratitude? Um, hang on just a moment and I'll tell you. But uh, God knows that humans can be forgetful. <laughs> Raise your hand if you know someone that uh, is forgetful. Raise your hand. Are you forgetful? Okay, so you can ask Aaron that I'm real good about my, you know, with my cell phone, about setting reminders. I, I have to do that. <laughs> How many of you are, are like that too? You set reminders on your phone. Man, I, I love that technology. Um, but God knows that nations commonly repeat the same mistakes throughout history, uh, you know, for one primary reason, because they forget the lessons from their past. It's like big cycles throughout the Bible that people forget, God's people forget what happened before. Okay? God knew that if he did not set future practices in place to help his people, a.k.a. the Israelites, uh, remember their salvation, how he saved them from Egypt, that he would eventually forget they would eventually forget his extravagant act of grace, and this significant event would be lost on, on his people. Their lack of remembrance would, would lead to a, uh, to a lack of gratitude. And without gratitude toward the Lord for what he had done, their hearts would grow hard. And guess what? If the Lord didn't intervene, they would go back and be in what? Back in Egypt. Slaves. If God didn't intervene one more time, they would go right back to where they were. But like I said, that's a cycle, especially throughout the Old Testament, that we see God intervening a lot to, as a reminder. So when the children would ask, going back to the passage, why does this ceremony, what does Passover mean to you, or why do we practice the Passover? God wanted the adults to respond by remembering the Passover with gratitude for their salvation. Although the word gratitude is not mentioned in this particular passage from the book of Exodus, it is implied as part of their salvation's ongoing work. Excuse me. If they wanted to live as a nation of significance and not fall back into a nation of slaves once again, they had to practice remembering God's grace in their life. The Passover was more than just a ritual. It was a practice, and still is a practice, of gratitude. You know, practicing gratitude, receiving and expressing God's grace, is the foundation of building a life of significance. That's our challenge today. We need to practice it, and we need to receive and express God's grace. That's the foundation of building a life of significance. Gratitude is a, a fluid virtue. And other virtues, I think we all know these, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, gentleness, thankfulness, and self-control. What are those? Fruits of the Spirit. These virtues, they piggyback upon intentionally giving and receiving God's grace which is the practice of, what's this G word? Gratitude. Most, if not all, virtues are built upon living out a state of gratitude. 
Roman statesman and lawyer uh, Cicero, he once said that gratitude was the mother of all the remaining virtues. Another Roman philosopher, Seneca, he believed a spirit of ungratefulness ranked below, and these are bad things, thieves, rapists, and adulterers. It's important to have gratitude. It's important to show back the grace that God has freely given us. In a scientific journal comprised of hundreds of of studies on gratitude and, and, comp and compiled by Berkeley, um, research finds that the desire to express and receive gratitude stems from our biological roots, roots that appear uh, to be embedded in, throughout our history, in our history, the structure of our brains and also in child development. And, also, and although uh, gratitude can be heavily influenced by culture, it also appears to be an inherent part of human nature. Even animals, which is very cool to me. Animals like chimpanzees, like fish, birds, and specifically vampire bats, I found out. They, they all exhibit a desire to receive and express gratitude, and it's called reciprocal altruism. Reciprocal altruism. They initiate a behavior that helps another, an unrelated individual, even at the cost to themselves, because they innately know that reciprocal altruism, a.k.a. gratitude, will benefit them as animals later. That's animals. We should look at them as examples because we should be doing this too. You know, our desire to express, receive, and, and give grace is what makes life significant. When we ask ourselves what is most important, we must assess within the realm of grace. For if Practicing gratitude is the virtue that surpasses all other virtues that anything of importance would have to be built upon living out of God's grace and expressing God's grace, which is gratitude. You know, going back to that police officer story today with the man up on the, the ledge, something deeply ingrained in his human nature inspired him to share what he felt in his own life, talking about the officer, to the man who was on the ledge. Remember these questions. I asked them earlier. What is most important in your life? How do I live fully so I am ready to die? Will I leave a legacy that benefits those that I'm leaving behind? And how will what I build in this life, carry on into that next life to come, in, in eternal life. The answer to these questions is not a response to, to our doing, to what you and I can do. Noah, from the book of Genesis, one of our biblical heroes, he understood obedience leads us to receive grace but it does not create it. Grace is a gift that piggybacks upon nothing 
to live a meaningful life, we must begin by accepting what is freely given. That's what grace is. It's freely given to us. And offering this grace back to God and to others is by practicing gratitude. Let's pray together. God, we love you. Uh, we just thank you so much for this, this first sermon on gratitude. You know, we, we've heard this word a lot throughout our lives. But sometimes we just need a reminder. And with it being Thanksgiving time, uh, you know, what, what a, a good time to talk about gratitude and the grace that is freely given from you, God. And some, most of the time, we, we don't even recognize it. But here in these moments, we are so thankful for it. God, you look at our hearts, and I pray that everyone in the sound of my voice, whether here in this room or watching online or listening later on another time, that we can just look at our hearts right now. What does our heart look like? Are we like Noah, who, who wants to say thank you as soon as coming off a boat that he was on for a long time? Do we want to say thank you for just waking us up in the morning Do we want to say thank you for just hearing a reminder about gratitude this morning? Does our heart say that we want to worship you? That's what Noah wanted to do. And I hope our heart looks the same as his. God, our, our challenge this morning is... You know, I, I hope we can re-examine ourselves to be that person who wants to say thanks and who wants to worship you without any hesitation. God, we just thank you so much for, for gratitude and how it's the most important virtue. And we thank you, too, for all the other virtues that there are. But just be with us. God, we love you, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Um, hey, um, re-examine your hearts. You know what's in them. God knows what's in them. Let's practice grace. Let's practice gratitude. I'm excited for this series this month. And I will tell you, like, this is, this, is a first, this is my first time doing this series, where the previous two I've had some familiarity with. So, but these are words that you and I need to hear. So if you need to make a decision this morning, I'm going to be down front here. If you just need someone to pray with you about reexamining yourself, why don't you come forward as we stand and uh, as we sing this last song?